0: First command simply must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate out-innovate any potential adversary. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality.
1: <laughs> the first command, the Air Force Starts Here. Hey hey everybody, welcome in to this edition of the Air Force Starts Here. And today, a little bit different. Kind of like we did last time when lieutenant general brad webb and chief master Sergeant julie gudgel our command team here in aetc held a town hall we went ahead and posted the audio version online and this town hall was on friday april 3rd just a couple of days ago and general webb spent a lot of time as well as chief gudgel talking about the why the strategic importance of why we do what we do here recruiting training and educating exceptional airmen in the first command and so you're definitely going to want to spend some time and listen in we also left all the questions and answers in unedited so excuse me up front i may have had a a few gasps i'm sorry belinda i didn't know the answer to to your question but i will say um, that there were a lot of great questions asked during the uh, town hall so we hope that you enjoy listening to those as well So thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a while since we had an edition of the Air Force Starts Here, so thanks for the subscribe stream or download, however you might be listening in. So I'm not gonna take any words away from the command team. Let's get right to it. The Air Force Starts Here kicks off right now. Good evening, everybody, and welcome into the AETC Command Team Virtual Town Hall. I'm Dan Hawkins from the Air Education and Training Command public affairs team, and I'm joined by the commander of Air Education and Training Command, Lieutenant General Brad Webb, and our command chief, Chief Master Sergeant Julie Gudgel. And truly, these are unprecedented times as we fight through this invisible enemy called COVID-19. And we know you have a lot of concerns and a lot of questions about the efforts being taken to protect our Airmen here in the First Command and also their families, as well as helping support the community and how we also execute our mission of recruiting, training, and educating exceptional Airmen. And we're gonna talk about all of that tonight. And sir, um, before we get started, um, there's a lot to talk about, but right off the bat, I know we really have to answer probably the most important question is the why. The why are we doing this training, the strategic nature of it. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper has been uh, on several forums over the last couple of weeks talking in depth about the strategic nature of what we do as a military and why it's important and and the fact that our our near peer adversaries are watching what we do. So I'd like to to start off tonight really talking about the why because a lot of people have that question.
0: Yeah Dan thanks Uh, and I'll, I'll get uh, right to that. Uh, however, before I do, I really want to take the opportunity to thank the airmen uh, of AETC, uh, thank the families, and thank leadership. As you said in your opening, uh, this is uh, absolutely extraordinary times, uh, highly unusual times, uh, and, uh, and disruptive. Uh, and, uh, and it's in these kind of crucibles uh, that you see the real uh, true nature uh, of airmen and of service members, and we're seeing that come through in spades. Uh, I would tell you, just today, I was watching uh, the Facebook uh, live feed uh, from Shepard Air Force Base, uh, Colonel Bill and his team were talking. I just was watching the uh, Laughlin one. Uh, there's articles uh, from the Kirtland leadership, Holloman leadership. I mean, across the enterprise, uh, leadership is engaged, and, uh, uh, and of course, uh, you know, the bottom line is there is an importance to the training uh, aspect to our national readiness. So if I was to sum it up, uh, and you heard Secretary Esper talk about this at, two days ago at his press conference, uh, he has three priorities that he's laid out uh, for the Department of Defense, and that is basically people, uh, mission, and partners. So people is about protecting members and their families, but mission is about safeguarding our national security capability. Uh, and we'll go, I think we'll go really deeply into that uh, over the course of this uh, time frame. Uh, this hour or so, uh, but, the, but the national security capabilities, of course, direct, uh, track directly to training uh, and readiness. Uh, readiness is, you know, is the direct corollary of training. And so this becomes important. And of course, the partnership aspect is about the whole of nation approach to taking on this challenge called COVID-19. Uh, and you're seeing that play out across all of the Air Force and e- e- to include even an AETC. Uh, you see a number uh, of uh, missions uh, that are directly supportive of uh, whether it's uh, medical evacuation, medical capabilities, transportation in general, uh, that AETC's uh, participating in. Uh, Chief Staff of the Air Force, General Goldfein, uh, gave a, uh, a press conference yesterday, and uh, he talked about uh, adversaries' ill intentions. Uh, there are, uh, and of course, you, we're not going to be able to go into it in any kind of deep detail uh, right here, uh, other than the, the uh, from an information warfare a perspective, it's alive, it's alive and kicking. Uh, we need to be cognizant of that. Uh, not to mention them watching uh, how America responds and in particular, in particularly our military. Uh, so from that aspect, uh, I would say, and General uh, golfing kind of summed it up, it's really not business as usual, but it's business as required. Uh, and so what we've been doing at AETC is looking at our tasks. What are those mission essential tasks uh, that we, ought to continue to do and what are those that can be shelved and I have a bevy of lists uh, of uh, from every one of the uh, numbered air forces or their equivalents uh, that we're not doing but bottom line training uh, and uh, and uh, key components of education recruitment uh, that needs to stay uh, we'll get into it I think a little bit later with some of the statistics but it is uh, it is amazing to watch the precipitous drop-off of Air Force readiness by shutting down a training pipeline. Uh, and I'm glad to go into more detail as we go. And that occur- that, and, I, and I mean that to apply not just to BMT, BMT, which of course is taking a lot of bandwidth currently, but tech training and flying training as well. Uh, the other thing I would just say is, uh, the United States Air Force, nor AETC, we are not alone uh, in this. First responders, of course, uh, across our nation are heavily involved. Uh, You have Amazon that's providing key and essential uh, goods and services. Uh, The truckers, of course, uh, grocery stores are ensuring that those key and essential uh, services are available. Uh, The essential service that the United States Air Force and AETC brings from training to readiness to national security capabilities, uh, I think, is directly linked. And to really kind of anticipate a question that will probably come uh, from this is, you know, what are the triggers or how do you kind of... Uh, gauge this. This is about risk to force and risk to mission. Uh, And so at this level of leadership, and it will continue through uh, the NAF level of leadership to wing commander, we will be assessing and we will be assessing constantly. Uh, Right now, uh, and it has been for a few weeks, more of a kind of a gut uh, and a commander's intuition feel. Uh, We at all levels of leadership to include at our national level are working on kind of the science to add some of that science to the art. There are modeling and scientific kind of uh, data that's available that we need to get on top of and distribute that can, can kind of show where plumes are developing, where, you know, whether it's a bow wave, whether it's a plume, what's kind of ha- happened that really kind of informs what missions we can continue and what missions we're going to have to shut down when the time is right. It'll be a constantly evaluating. I know that was a very long question to a simple question, but that is a key question, why we're doing it. And uh, I hope that kind of lays the foundation.
1: And Chief, uh, you've talked about it. It's a contingency at home. Those are your words. You've used that and, and you know, the airmen out there, you know, understandably are anxious and, and they're impacted. And not only that, but their families. So um, can you talk to, you know, how important their ability to, to both take care of their families and execute the mission is why that's so important to us here in AATC.
2: Yes, Dan. And it really is. It's a contingency, but it's the first time we're doing a contingency here from our home. And I will hear it over and over, Dan. Airmen are concerned about their families. And the number one thing I get is my family didn't sign up for this. Uh, No one signed up for COVID-19. No one anticipated we'd be at where we're at today. But we can take steps to mitigate the risk. I sympathize with you. I have a son and a husband at home as well. And I'm always concerned about the well-being of my family. But what I can do is I can physically distance myself when I'm out and about. I can also take precautions when I get home. Many of you are getting home and you're changing your uniform in your garage. You're taking showers, washing your hands, washing your face before you even have contact with your families. And so you need to do what makes you feel comfortable when you get home. And then for some of our personnel, our MTIs, many of them are staying on base for the first couple weeks to mitigate the risk uh, from their family. And then some of our medics as well. So we wanna work with you, and commanders wanna work with you to ensure that you are in a good place when it comes to the safety of your family. We're also looking at those mission essential tasks daily. So if you go across any of our wings, every day there's a battle rhythm. What is mission essential? Who do we actually need to bring into work? And if you are not required to be there, your commanders are sending you home. And I think that's one of the most important things we can do is, you know, may not be what everyone wants. Everyone wants to come to work and get at it. But some of you are safer just performing teleworking from your homes. But I really would say is how can you, you know, the question I get is how can you, how can we help you flatten this curve? And I would ask you to utilize your leadership, your chain of command. Everything is different at every wing we have. There is no cookie cutter approach to this situation. So please stay tuned. Contact your chief, your supervisor, your first sergeant if you have a question or you have a concern. Something needs to be brought up to leadership. And also, rumors and miscommunication can cause mass panic and can also hurt people. So what we'd ask is when you see these rumors or this miscommunication happening on Facebook, social media platforms, work within your chain of command so that we can get after this information so that we can calm the panic and really get you the accurate answers and the accurate facts again you are our great leaders that were out there and we need you to help us move this forward you know being a leader always but also means taking care of yourself dan and we have a lot of airmen out there that are tired they've been working the gates they've been working as medics mti's idmts you name it across AETC our IPs, so are you getting enough rest? Are you eating? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you feeling ill? You shouldn't be coming to work. Are you getting a good workout in? Because you know, rule number one to Zombieland is cardio, right? So we should get after that now. But but Dan, we have to take care of one another and ensure that self-care is also taking place.
1: And General Webb, I I wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the trust in the chain of command. Yeah. Because we talked about that a little bit yesterday, but ultimately, you know, every commander at every level has our airmen's best interests at heart.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I I kind of want to double down on what the the chief was saying there. That You know, there's kind of that hashtag uh, banner that we've uh, adopted here in AETC, calm is contagious, right? And there's a lot to that. Uh, the, but, but you know, that emanates from the top and goes throughout the organization. Uh, so trust in your leadership uh, is, a, is I think a, a key a theme that I kinda wanna drive home. I was, I was mentioning the, the amount of engage, engagement I'm seeing at the NAF level, at the wing level, uh, and uh, I can only presume uh, the same kind of things happening at the group level and the squadron level and, and below as well, really, really critical. Uh, so trust in that chain of command Understand that this is a highly volatile time. The decisions that we're at today aren't going to be the decisions that we'll arrive at, you know, in a couple of weeks due to, uh, or, you know, sooner uh, depending on the conditions of change, but the leaders, your chain of command is involved and that, that is a, that is a key uh, piece. Uh, I would tell you a chief and I've been out to Lackland probably four or five times in the last two weeks uh, and the whole, to watch the, um, the, the, mood or the attitude of the airmen is something to be impressive about. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, when I was talking to the MTIs about how it was going with our first ROM, right, or restriction of movement trainees that were entering uh, basic training, there's a lot of unknowns. Hey, you know, I, I understand that, you know, the military's told me to do this, but what about my family? How's this going to uh, uh, play out? Uh, we were out there yesterday. And, uh, we were talking with the, uh, the medical folks that are out in the field, uh, to provide uh, the care for any of those that are, uh, may or may not become persons under investigation you know, uh, for sickness. Uh, we talked with the same NTIs that we'd been out there before. There's a level of understanding, okay, we got this. We understand what's going on. Uh, calm, communication is flowing, uh, and we understand where we can navigate and what we can't. Uh, that is going to be key, and that is something that we, I can tell you leadership at all levels is going to be constantly involved with.
1: And you bring up a great point because we've had a lot of questions uh, come in on various different social media platforms and other avenues um, from instructors and families who are concerned that, um, you know, the, the two way risk, right? You, you go to work and you potentially are taking that to the to the trainees and then vice versa, taking it home to your families. Um, what would you say to all those on the front lines who, who have to deal with that? And, and you touched on it, but I, I think it's important to to really address um, those family concerns that all airmen have.
2: Right, and as a mom, it's my number one concern. Heck, when I go to the grocery store, I change my shirt when I get home. Right now there are so many unknowns out there. And each family has a different dynamic. So we've worked with families, one, maybe they have children or family members who are at risk. Those chain of commands are working with those families to ensure that they're teleworking, we have a few families who have ex- they're expecting children. They're at home teleworking as well, and then we talk about again changing your clothes, changing your habits, making sure that you're safe when you get home to change your clothes before you you are with your family. You have to do what makes you feel comfortable when you're there. The risk is going to be out there, no matter where you're at. And so we just have to practice those good social distancing, and then also follow our CDC guidelines to ensure that we're being safe for ourselves. And we take a look at our our groups that we have in BMT. And so we get those folks in, we get our new trainees in, and they become restrictive movement flights. So for the first 14 days, our TIs are spending time with them, making sure they're doing okay, but they're keeping their, their physical distance from them, and they're also physically distancing one another as they get into the bmt pipeline they become a control group a control group of people who are now have been amongst each other for the last eight and a half weeks Uh, they've not been exposed to the outside except for our ti's and our instructors and then we're ensuring when we ship them fly them to their tech training platforms or you know they walk to their tech training platforms at Lackland, that we are giving our tech training instructors healthy airmen we are not sending any unhealthy airmen out of BMT. We're ensuring that if they are sick or they're symptomatic, we're going to keep them in a status of quarantine or PUI status until those symptoms subside. So that we are not going to, we're not going to put your husband or your wife at risk who is out there teaching our airmen. We have to make sure that we're safe.
1: And, and I, I think it's also important to note, and I'm sorry, sir, but it, it's really vital. If you have a certain circumstance, you absolutely have to bring it to your chain of command. You cannot just kind of sit in silence here, right? Correct.
2: Yes.
0: I kind of wanted to add on this, uh, the concept of social uh, distancing. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Secretary of the Air Force addressed this a couple of, uh, I think it was earlier this week, and we've heard it uh, bubble up, really, from the bottom up, and I absolutely would like to foot it. It's not so much about social distancing. It's about physical distancing, like, you, like we're sitting here right now, uh, for instance. Uh, but the social aspect is socially connected. Uh, you know, the Air Force has worked really hard on this, as you know, uh, the connection being a key with some of the challenges we, you know, the service has had uh, in the past. Uh, and if there, if that is, it's kind of an unfortunate phrasing, uh, if it's misconstrued. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it runs the gamut from uh, social media, staying connected, checking in on your wingman, checking in on those that have a diagnosis that, that are in quarantine or isolation. Uh, being connected socially is absolutely warranted, in fact, encouraged. It's the physical uh, part that you, know, we really want to drive home. So I, uh, you know, the secretary is trying to kind of navigate that term to, uh, Hey, that's really physical distancing is what we're talking about.
1: And a reminder, if, if you're tuning in tonight, you can drop us a question in the comments section. We're going to get to it. I've got them here teed up. So we're definitely going to get to all the questions and some of your questions. Uh, of course we hope we're answering for you right now, but we, we're talking about physical and social distancing general Webb. Uh, but, We've had a lot of concern from from uh, parents, loved ones, instructors about the physical and social distancing environment in BMT, technical training, flying training, basically any training that we do here in the first command. And, you know, it, it's hard to, to put a pin on it, but secretary Esper talked to it a couple days ago yep. in terms of there's not a perfect solution in place yeah. because of the nature of our business.
0: That's right. Um, well. Uh, It's, you know, if if the chief was saying it's business as usual, it's not business as usual, but business was required, uh, that kind of applies on this physical distancing. Uh, We have taken great lengths at all our training venues and all of our bases, regardless of whether it's training or education or recruitment, to be physically distanced where we can. We cannot continue to do our mission and be physically distanced 100%. So it's that assessment of what should we not be doing or what do we assume uh, some physical closeness on. BMT, uh, we, get, we got it down pretty well. It's spaced out uh, dormitories, it's spaced out the number of, for instance, instructors uh, that are required. Uh, there are courses in tech training that you simply cannot get uh, six feet away and be uh, able to do your job. Uh, leadership at all levels is assessing what needs to stop, or if it has to continue, how are we gonna mitigate that? It's, again, it's about risk to force and risk to mission. Uh, flying, you know, the Secretary Esper in his comments uh, brought up flying as one of those things. Hey, if you're in a bomber, there may or may not be six feet of, of separation. Do we need to continue to fly bombers? Yes, we do. Uh, and so, uh, so it is about mitigation where you can and having uh, really uh, informed uh, knowledge when you have to make a risk assessment or risk acceptance of what needs to continue.
1: And so from a, from a production perspective, because that's part of balancing that mission readiness part, um, what, what does it look like if we stop training for a month?
0: Yeah. So, um, let me just take BMT because, uh, BMT is really getting a lot of scrutiny. In fact, remind me to come back and talk about, you know, kind of the, some of the next week stuff. BMT. Uh, in round numbers, uh, 3,000. We produce 3,000 airmen a month. Round numbers. Uh, if you stand down that capability for a month, it takes a full year, 12 months, to recover. And that recovery, the definition of that is the normal load, which is 800. You're know, 800 plus. Add another 200 to that. So you, if you want to, get, if you want to recover that 3,000. You're 200 above. In other words, you're in surge operations for 12 months, for a one month stand down. You can imagine what that looks like if we end up standing down through uh, September or something like that. And even on the far side of that pipeline, uh, if you take 3,000 down a month and you continue that several months, you can, and you can see this in the, in the statistics that the headquarters Air Force has, the numbers of Air Force, if we're in round numbers today of 330, we could drop below 300,000. And if you don't think that has an impact on readiness, you're, you're, you know, you're fooling yourself. So this is why, in that area, uh, based only in basic military training, you see why it's important. Now, having said that, we're not at full production uh, in BMT, and we have a plan to not be. We, you know, when you start taking into account uh, what, uh, what we think we can do from a social, or from, I'm sorry, from a physical distancing perspective, uh, and what the load can be, what the infrastructure can handle, we're not gonna be uh, on a full. We will constantly be assessing that. So you take that kind of model of impact and of drop off of readiness, you apply that you know, from the steps beyond, you know, BMT's you know, one of the first steps. You apply that to tech training, you apply that to flying training, and it doesn't take very long for you see. If you didn't think the first command was relevant to the readiness of the United States Air Force, you're seeing it in spades right now. AETC is absolutely critical uh, to the readiness of the United States Air Force. So, so when you talk about, you know, the technical
1: flying training enterprises, uh, it, there's a there's a ripple down effect starting at the very beginning, like you talked about. Uh, we have a question in about what the contingency plan is if large numbers of, of mission essential airmen uh, do get sick. Is there a plan and how do we continue, um, you know, if, if the virus spreads?
0: Yeah. Um, I'll let you jump in here if you, if you get uh, to add additive stuff for this chief, but, uh, here at, uh, at, at the here in San Antonio, which of course, uh, is a big city. Uh, we are already seeing a uh, kind of a big increase, but also at Keesler air force base which, you know, in both of those areas, which are kind of key hubs, uh, from a training perspective, we are blessed to have uh, dense and immense medical capability. Uh, so with, with the 59th wing and all of their capabilities that they bring to bear, uh, the medical capabilities allow us to stay in front and they are doing some of the best modeling, uh, on, uh, on, you know, what is happening o- over time, what is happening in the very areas, uh, that we have available. So we are constantly assessing, you know, it's, it's not a, a secret that we've had several, uh, COVID positives pop, uh, in, uh, BMT, uh, for instance. And, uh, but. Uh, it has been very manageable uh, and uh, you know, we just need to constantly assess that uh, the you know, by and large those have been uh, the positives that we've seen are in those ROM, uh, restriction of movement uh, flights or I should say squadrons. And uh, so of course that begats a, a, a number of isolation, but it's limited. It's limited number because we've limited the amount of interaction that's already occurring. Uh, if that starts to change, that immediately changes the calculus. Uh, And I'm not gonna sit here and be Pollyannish and say that we are not gonna see something that uh, blooms larger or not. Uh, I'm very confident, like I said, I've been walking the terrain uh, with our medics uh, on how we have kind of set up for that. We're organized very well for it. Uh, Once they're at Lackland and once they're at their tech training bases, they're in a really good and secure environment. Uh, We, you know, as the chief said, we don't control all the variables. And this is an insidious, invisible enemy uh, that we're fighting, you know, this, uh, this virus. So we, 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 you know, the, I can't emphasize enough that constantly evaluating and reevaluating that stance will be key.
2: Yes, sir, and it's not just basic training. We have phenomenal leadership across AETC when it comes to flying training or the education piece or officer training school currently at Air University. So we are ensuring that we're looking at the variables every day. Those commanders are in direct contact with General Webb daily to ensure that we are assessing and mitigating risk. And it's changing. I don't think we come to work any day knowing what's going to happen. It is a fluid situation, but we're rolling with it.
0: It's changing today. Yeah.
1: And it goes back to leadership. And we had a question from Stephanie and I wanted to really ask this and give you the opportunity, sir, because I think it's important. She says, what would you say to those who feel that leaders are, are not being transparent um, enough in this situation and have maybe lost faith, faith with their leadership?
0: Well, I would hope that they're not losing faith with their leadership. Uh, what I'm uh, witnessing and what I'm uh, gathering from you know my uh, walkabouts, uh, which are, have been you know plenty here, uh, you know albeit you know here uh, locally in the San Antonio area, leadership is engaged. Leadership is involved. I just mentioned in, the, in my opening comments. Uh, I don't. I don't believe that there is any installation commander within AETC that isn't out actively talking to their. Uh, their charges on social media and in person. I mean, I've, you can see it. All you gotta do is dial it up on uh, Facebook. Uh, if it isn't, uh, I'd sure like to know about it. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Uh, but uh, if there is a perception that leadership is being uh, holding cards close to their vest and that, that we're not really uh, uh, providing them the data, I think that's a misperception. And I think it's a misperception because this is constantly changing. Uh, you know, we're, we're working on uh, talking points for the secretary who's meeting together with all the secretaries, to include the Secretary of Defense, on Monday uh, on some of the very basics of military readiness. Uh, these fundamentally change the equation, and it may uh, be so. It's certainly been that way in the last two or three weeks. It may be so again uh, next week, and that may be being perceived as leaders aren't involved or holding uh, cards close to their vest. The fact of the matter is the truth is changing.
1: And, you know, we talk about mitigation and, you know, commanders are doing the best they can with the resources they have in terms of guidelines from the CDC and local health authorities. Um, And that's what Secretary Esper talked to, making sure that, you know, everyone knows that our commanders are balancing that risk um, of force health protection and the mission um, but can you talk to some of the, uh, preventative measures? We have, uh, a couple of questions related to, um, preventative measures, such as, um, PPE on the flight line for the flying training wings. Um, and also, um, a question about the CDC and president's announcement of the use of face masks and, and how that will be addressed in the air
0: force.
2: You got the memo, sir. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow up after you yes. hit some of the other show depending on where our individuals are working at. So on the flight line, we're, we're trying to spread people out as much as we possibly can. And, and PPE is already very relevant on the flight line. But we talk about masks or face shields. Uh, we have to take those things into account. We have goggles. We have various things that our airmen can put on. And, and commanders really are assessing those in the field. The same thing, uh, we take a look at our medics. They're, they're shielded up, ready to go. They need those, those masks we look across AATC with someone who's working by themselves in the office, maybe PPE isn't going to be necessary, but I think we talk about this whole physical distancing thing. We have to continue that. There is not enough PPE that our medics have to go around to, to the entire Air Force. So I, I, the question I think you're getting at is can our individuals wear PPE, additional PPE if they desire? Is that the question?
1: Well, I think there the question the the one question came from laughlin mm-hmm. um and saying what are you doing to ensure the flying training wings have the proper uh resources such as the ppe on
2: the flight line so i i would say that 19th air force again you talk about a a, a chain of command that is very engaged uh, with their bases this really needs to work its way up the the threat what is the threat what are we trying to protect against what can 19th air force provide and so i, I really think we have to start with asking those questions up the chain Uh, because we have a lot of we never ask and we assume kind of things going on so ask the question ask your unit your base what you're doing tell them what your concerns are because if you're concerned that you are in an environment where you're unsafe then we have to stop and reassess and those commanders may not be aware of how you're feeling so work through that chain of command to identify what PPE you believe you need to have and then we can work through 19th Air Force up to ATC to assess how we provide that PPE Yeah. And, and we were talking about physical
1: distancing and Tammy has a question and she says, how are trainees supposed to practice physical distancing when that is basically impossible in the dorms? And so I'm I'm guessing maybe she's referring to, to basic military training where right now, um, they have reduced the number of trainees in those large bays to 40.
0: Yeah, the, uh, um, well, of course we're, uh, two. Uh, cohorts uh, worth of what we call restriction of movement uh, trainees that have entered uh, basic training uh, and this week of course is a reschedule week for us. Uh, we're, we've just completed that. Next week we'll go to a reduced uh, workload still in that restriction of movement. We're looking to accelerate uh, some of the graduation uh, to get some of our uh, you know, chunks of trainees that are ready to graduate to go. Uh, out, and, uh, and then uh, you know that population has been uh, sequestered. I, I use that term uh, intentionally as opposed to isolated or quarantined, but they've been sequestered doing their training. It's a pretty healthy lot, uh, and the training that needs to get done is one of those risk assessment aspects. There's some combative combatives training that has to occur, there's field training that has to occur. Uh, There are those aspects that, uh, right now, as we look at the data, we look at uh, uh, the mitigation efforts that we have in place, we're comfortable with that.
1: Yeah, and BMT has definitely made a lot of of changes to their normal protocols, and I'll just answer this question um, because uh, I see it here on the screen as we move on. But. BMT airmen the question is are BMT airmen being allowed to call home and the answer is yes Mm -hmm. Um, right now um, last I knew it was at least once a week I don't know if that's changed Uh, again it's a fast moving train and and the the dynamics are always changing but I wanted to make sure that we that we also get there
2: Um, hey Dan on the phone call thing too is if we have any airmen who are COVID positive uh, they have their cell phones so they're able to call their family at any time and then airmen that are in isolation waiting for their tests, uh, they have access to a telephone so they can call their family. um, Because it's a scary time and we want to make sure they're still connected.
1: And we've got a lot more questions and we're definitely going to get to all of your
0: questions um, that we get here. And but Dan, if you don't mind, can I circle back to the PPE thing for a second? Yes, sir. Um, I I kind of equate uh, this uh, discussion to the uh, relaxing of the grooming standards. Uh, with haircuts in particular that we talked about uh, earlier this week or maybe it was late last week. Uh, You know, where we started as an Air Force and where we are right now is a different uh, situation. You know, we wanted to continue doing haircuts. Uh, We, the leadership of the United States Air Force. Uh, As it became, as more information was made known to us and as we started to understand the the depth and the breadth of the, the challenge, You know, barbers, and as most installations have, you know, cut away from, uh, no pun intended, uh, from the barbers and the barbershops even being open. uh, And we now have a policy that's on uh, the relaxation of grooming. On this PPE, and I I just want to, you know, Chief kind of mentioned it, so we left it kind of hanging. This is a memo that will come out of AETC headquarters uh, when we're done here. Uh, The DCOM is uh, getting ready to sign it. Uh, I want to just read a couple of the pieces there with respect to masks. And here's the deal. Uh, we the United States not the United States Air Force we kind of have been all over the map on under, at least our understanding of the effectiveness of a mask or uh, you know whether you're not from necessarily for the sick I mean I think that's pretty uh, well documented but for those that aren't sick that may think that that's protection um, so the policy in AETC is going to be the wear of mask is optional uh, it needs to be conservative you know, we don't want a bunch of pink and purple polka dot kind of things, but a conservative type of style uh, needs to cover both the mouth and the nose uh, at all times during wear. It doesn't alleviate physical distancing. Okay. So the point is if, if we as service members and the installation commander, this is directed at the installation commanders to be able to apply as they see fit, uh, want to authorize the wear of this, I'm on board because we understand that there are going to be tasks that are mission essential that need to continue. Uh, if this is a type of piece that is in conjunction let me just foot stomp uh, with physical distancing and all those other things where we can be and be appropriate uh, i'm on board with it and that'll that will be a policy you'll see come out of etc tonight
1: thank you sir Uh, chief i I, kind of wanted to transition and again keep your questions coming we certainly appreciate all of your questions tonight uh great questions coming in and and we're happy to answer them but i wanted to transition chief um, to kind of the resiliency aspect of this. And we talked a little bit about the physical and social distancing, and but we didn't really hit the hammer on the resiliency part. Like this is really hard um, in a lot of ways. We have um, sometimes um, a- across our younger population um, that isolation anxiety and they're used to getting out. I mean, if anybody knows you, they know you love to go to the gym. You love to jump out of perfectly safe aircraft. Um, just about every weekend you're a very social person so having to go home and maybe telework on a, on a regular basis when you're not used to doing that or or really you know kind of sequester yourself to use general web's words it's hard but there are a lot of resources in different creative ways um, out at altus air force base the security forces squadron held an outdoor zumba class in base housing i saw the pictures on instagram so we shared them on our atc instagram page but there's a lot of ways um, as a team and and to be connected to get through this
2: you know it's difficult to you know and you mentioned the two things i count on unwinding with jumping on airplanes it's gone it was even more stressful to think that i couldn't do it but just like all of you i had to find other ways to relieve stress whether it's Finding new workout routines, uh, you know, getting out there and doing family walks, spending some time socially distanced, uh, and and talking to our folks, uh, you know, whether it's uh, across the room from my coworkers, but really we take a look at this whole physical distance social connection piece. So we are doing Zoom meetings, and actually one of my friends the other day they have a uh, every time they have a Zoom meeting uh, they have to. Dressed up differently and they have a different theme to every zoom meeting. But guess what? They got eyes on each other and the meeting may not be important and they may have not covered anything. But what they did cover was they got to see each other. They got to have a conversation because when you're only hearing a voice on the phone, you really can't, it's hard to measure that. So physical distance with that social connection. So zoom parties, FaceTime, heck our even our very own chief master on the air force number five uh, chief gaylor is now on facebook doing live uh, you know facebook live for us as well find your niche there are concerts out there on facebook but you have to find a way to stay connected and chief victor our command first sergeant you know we talk about this all the time this is one of our biggest concerns we have a lot of single airmen who are out there by themselves For the longest time, we have stressed, we need that physical interaction. We need to have those conversations, that face-to-face moment. And now we're telling you to be physically distant from them. Find a way to connect, make those phone calls, mentor them. You could still do mentoring through FaceTime and have a great conversation. Don't shy away from it. You need to be consistent. And to our younger airmen, you need to be consistent with your leadership as well, your supervisors, making sure that they're doing okay as well. It goes both ways. And then take a look at it, this, virtual promotion ceremonies. I had never seen virtual promotion ceremonies till now, so we are still celebrating your accomplishments. And come Monday, uh, Dan, we, we're gonna have our AATC annual awards you know, on a live broadcast on Monday so that we can announce and celebrate our winners, because we know we can't get together for a banquet anytime soon, so we have to find ways to do this. But also, within all of that, Dan, is a resiliency toolbox. We have been emailing your first sergeants and across AATC with different things you can use. And we're going to post this after our Facebook Live. But there are so many places you can go. And I'm going to look as I list them out. Is We have an Air Force resiliency website. We have Military OneSource. We have the Nurse Advice Line, the Military Crisis Hotline, the key spouses. Our key spouses have stepped up. We have some very strong programs out there. Utilize those key spouse programs for our civilians. We have the employee assistance program. It is still out there and it is still functioning. And don't forget our chaplains. Our military chaplains are still here. Some of them are doing FaceTime as well as telehealth as and some of the other resources. But you have all these resources at your fingertips and they are free. And most of them can be done through your smart device. So don't shy away from that. We have so many things that we can help you with. So Dan, the resources are out there. We just have to be engaged.
1: Yeah, and it's so important now more than ever to check up on your wingman Mm -hmm. and and not assume that they're doing okay, right? We all need a wingman. Yeah. So thanks, Chief, for Mm -hmm. that. Um, Before we dive really deep into the the Q&As and to, to finish it out, and we'll roll right through all of your Q's and A's, so we certainly appreciate Um, you guys continuing to send in your questions. Um, I did quickly want to talk to that whole of whole of nation response that you talked about and, and, um, vice chief of staff, Wilson, general Wilson sent out a note and, and secretary Barrett has talked about how airmen at Ramstein have have helped transport hospital beds to Italy and, and we evacuated us citizens, um, out of South America and our national guard partners um, in all the services, have really stepped up to the plate across this this great country to do their part. Uh, but Airman and AETC are also uh, stepping up and helping their communities, and so. Uh, so what are some of the things that our airmen now are doing to help uh, our local communities uh, in this fight against COVID-19?
2: Oh, I think that within the first week, we were seeing it uh, out of our medical wing. Mm-hmm. Airmen were creating uh, dividers mm-hmm. for ventilators using their 3D printers to try to come up with a standard breakaway so that we can utilize one ventilator for several patients. And then just yesterday, I was looking at Goodfellow and they're using their 3D printer to to print out face masks because some of their technical requirements, continue. you're gonna be close up because you're over each other's shoulders. So they're finding ways to help us mitigate this risk.
0: You got uh, Altus, which has uh, already been helping uh, with some of the transportation uh, pieces going on. That was an article that uh, you know, we did on them a little earlier in the week. Uh, you, the 59th Med Wing, as we've kind we've, of, you know, look, we're living in this, this is a frontline war. Uh, this is a frontline war for the medical community. They're frontline warriors on this thing Uh, and you know, they, they've signed up for a job that's kind of in the shadows. They're not in the shadows right now. They are front and center, uh, they're on the front lines. Uh, So whether it's the E-Med capability, uh, whether it's the expertise that's, uh, you know, that, that plays out in any installation that we have medics that are part of the AETC formation, uh, they're contributing mightily. Uh, so there, it's, you know, it, it's everywhere you look, AETC's contributions and that kind of third uh, priority for the secta, for the whole government approach is playing out. Absolutely. And I'm really I, proud of them.
1: I wanted to, to touch base because you talked about Operation Blue Hero that Altus participated in and that's uh, transporting BMT graduates to technical training. Um, and, and we saw various um, ways to do that, but can you tell us a little bit more about uh, one of the questions that we have is how you plan to protect airmen as they transit um, to technical training. Um, and then even on the flip side, you know, the, we have some parents who are concerned that their airman is being you know, uh, sent to their first duty station. And, and what's the plan for them um, to travel and get there in, in a safe manner?
0: Well, you know, the challenge is uh, when, you, when you make the decision uh, as an Air Force that uh, training continues, and specifically basic training, uh, that is the, you know, a pipeline that can't get clogged at any juncture. Uh, and so we have a clog that we're gonna have to battle through, and that is overseas assignments, right? We, we've, 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 we're in a situation where we're not, uh, at least currently, where we're not allowed to push airmen forward. Uh, we need to still get them to tech uh, school training, uh, but there may, you're gonna see this in every uh, base. It's certainly gonna be in AETC, but it's gonna be beyond AETC and the rest of the Air Force bases as well, where folks that would otherwise be out in uh, overseas locations are now on the base. Uh, that is something we're gonna to have to wrestle with, and it'll come in the calculus of uh, what we do with basic training as well. You know, The fact that we've you know taken the real stat down a little bit on that should help uh, to a degree, uh, but we're gonna to have to take all that into account on how do you keep, this, how do you keep physical distancing uh, on the populations that are now building on bases uh, and still get the mission done. Uh, that is why uh, we are meeting as a senior at senior levels of the Air Force many times a week on all of these things as they play out. Uh, right now, uh, the assessment is that we can continue to do this. We are gonna take, take some short-term pain and it's already starting to play out until we can get you know, kind of the overseas locations service as well. We're gonna just have to take this one day at a time.
1: Yeah, another question in from, this one from Shepard Air Force Base, when, when per- permanent party PCS restrictions are lifted, uh, how is a- AETC going to deal with adjusting report, not later than dates, to avoid uh, an experience gap with the, the instructors, because there might have been people who have been ready to go, but they're held up, and now all of a sudden a whole bunch of people are going to leave, but maybe not all, you know, co- coming in at the same time to, to basically offset one another, and, and I think that kind of goes under that evolving situation category
2: it does Dan and so what we have is a great partnership with General Tolth and Chief Hoagland over at AFPC and Miss Tony and so we are looking at those things right now so one on the families and when we're going to PCS them we had a lot of DSD assignments that will be pending uh, so we're going to continue to work those individually because again there is not one recipe to fit all of these situations and then on the flip side is we're also working with them to try to figure out what the calculus looks like when it's time to PCS airmen back over to PACAF and USAFE. So they're running those numbers. They're looking at the data because eventually we have to figure out how we turn that back on and flooding uh, both PACAF and USAFE with hundreds and hundreds of three levels is not the answer. So there is a planning process and we're continuing to stay engaged with them daily.
1: And this one also chief probably for you here, uh, but it talks to that resiliency piece we talked about and a question came in um, from Uh, Shepherd again, as well, Um, airmen are completing BMT, going to tech school, and then basically going to their first base. Before that, there was a leave process built into that. But now, um, for some of the students in the pipeline, some of them are really stressed out because they're not getting a chance to, to see their families. Um, and having to go straight to their duty stations and um, it's causing some strain and stress in in the classroom environment and even for the instructors. uh, And the question really is, you know, what advice do you have for them and for the instructors and the airmen who are in that situation?
2: So this is where we need to get back into that strong sponsorship program because these airmen are gonna become, so it's exciting, you graduate from basic, they didn't get to see their family. When they graduate from tech training, they're still not being able to go home or do recruiter recruiter assistance program. But for their safety and the safety of their family, we have to send them to their first duty station. But on the flip side of this is with travel restrictions that are out there, uh, with cities right now that have a lot of disease, this probably might not be the ample time to go home because parents or family members may be quarantined off and you may not be able to get that valuable time with them. You know, it sounds like a, a PR kind of answer, but at the end of the day, we have to be there at those bases to receive those airmen in. They need to understand where we're at because they're coming out of tech school and we're blasting them. Well, here's where our base is at. Here's, you know, you take a look at, you know, force protection to here's what you're gonna be in the dormitory, here's the defect. And so with our sponsorship programs, we need to amp those up. We need to be there to catch those airmen when they arrive at that first duty station. And then next, We have to be great wingmen. We have to continue to follow up with them. Of course, keeping physical distance, but taking them where they need to go, ensuring they have what they need, and then continuing that social interaction, whether it be through Zoom meetings or bringing them into the office, because showing up in a new location without your family, without your friends is scary. And we can help lessen the burden by just being there for our airmen. So I would say to all our airmen out there that are at the bases, that will be receiving these new airmen in, Be intrusive leaders get in there make sure your airmen have what they need when they arrive and then after they arrive and continue to check on them as we make our way through this crisis and when it's time for them to be able to take that leave ensure that you're giving them the proper time to go home and celebrate these accomplishments with their families
1: and a follow-on question to that um, is from uh, a family member of an Air National Guard member um, but is there any change to how tech school graduates who are national guard members will, they, they can just go back to their home units. Correct.
2: That is correct.
1: Yeah. So, unless they
2: have training immediately after BMT. Uh, yes, sir.
1: Okay. Thank you. Um, so a question on, um, VPN and, and teleworking, um, there's been, you know, some measure of complaining about the VPN. Um, do you have an update on, on VPN and teleworking at all?
2: So uh, VPN has become more of a three, not a three-letter word anymore, but uh, (laughs) so VPN is hard. So what we are asking is there is not enough bandwidth to go around on VPN. So many people are teleworking and they're trying to stay on VPN continuously. So what we're asking you to do is do what you need to do on email, upload it, do what you need to do on Mm -hmm. VPN, whatever the network requires you. Get off, take a break from it, work on your computer, and then sign back in when it's time to send or we need access. Because again, more people are going to begin teleworking and we're going to continue to bring down this network. So the best thing you can do is, is practice uh, judgment. You don't have to be on there 24-7. Let me,
0: let me just say that uh, General Hawk at 16th Air Force and his cyber warriors are literally moving mountains, uh, bandwidth mountains, uh, to make, uh, you can only imagine the demand signal uh, that is across our Air Force uh, with respect to you know, how much we're teleworking at this point. Uh, so there is some good success stories in here. Uh, the other piece is, and you know, you, you, if you listen to our chief of staff, he says this all the time, with every challenge and opportunity. Uh, and so we can't, we, we're in an environment right now where we are breaking uh, ground uh, on, hey, we've always been stuck in these old ways of doing business, and we wish we could do it a different way. We're having this opportunity. You're seeing it play out with some of the initiatives that General Hawk has. It is rife uh, in AETC. Uh, with what we've been uh, championing for years now, uh, with early access to content, you know, the distance learning kind of initiatives, uh, that uh, we can get some traction on this. We're kind of a proving ground right now uh, with what we're doing with uh, some of these uh, uh, initiatives, you know, along the, especially along the teleworking and that. Uh, General Hawk and his team have done uh, really well with this. Of course, it's not gonna measure up to everybody being allowed to be online all the time, uh, uh, Doing it, but I I can tell you, you know, with the number of VTCs and the number of both classified and unclassified, and the uh, ability to work email and all this kind of stuff, they—that's a tall order—and they've come through for us in spades.
1: So this is this is a a a really great question, um, and it concerns health. And I'm not sure who who asked the question, but the question is: Will stay-in-place orders for communities influence stay-in-place? situations for our bases?
0: Um, the answer to that is it depends. Uh, we, the installation commanders, uh, to a person have done a fantastic job of, this is a balance of this risk to force and risk to mission. This is another kind of equation on that. What is local guidance, uh, in the various States and what is, uh, part of our national charge, uh, which is preserve national security capability. Uh, and so where we can elegantly balance that, uh, that's what our installation commanders all the way up through the chain are trying to do. Uh, there may be some deviations from that. Uh, but if, there's a, re- if there's, there's a reason if the state uh, leadership has you know, given a charge of uh, stay at home or you know, these kind of things, where we can apply it, we absolutely need to. It isn't going to apply in every, uh, in, in every field across the military. And in fact, in most of these, you see some exemptions with exceptions of the military because they understand militaries in a in a unique circumstance
1: so stephanie asks and i'm kind of just rolling down these there's no particular order here sure. sir uh, the question or I'll, I'll read the comment first and then the question the comment is you say it's a frontline war but the instructors are unarmed what about issuing them ppe because we know uh, that they cannot buy it anywhere um, and also can decontamination stations be set up for them so they can be sanitized before they go home to their families?
0: Yeah, those, those are some good suggestions. You know, the, as we just, we talked about the PPE already. Uh, we'll have that at installation uh, level uh, for them to uh, grapple with. I mean, there's, there's the challenge of supply and all this kind of stuff that, uh, you know, we're gonna have to battle through. But um, uh, I understand that that's, uh, that may, if it's additive and it's not dist- distracting from the mission, uh, we'll have the uh, flexibility to adapt to that. The decontamination thing is a good, uh, good point. Uh, I mean, I've kind of seen what it looks like uh, if, you're, if you're starting to have symptoms. I mean, our medical community is already kind of, it looks exactly like the old school training, ATSO, ability to survive and operate, right? Uh, where you kind of go through, you, you learn how to uh, get the gloves off so that you don't contaminate yourself. You may have done a great job, uh, you know staying uh, you know out of the contamination then you take off your gloves wrong or you take off your mask wrong and you just contaminate yourself that's that very principle being applied uh, we will probably need to see some bolstered up in those areas uh, I would expect that we'll get more mature with our processes uh, hopefully you in a hurry on that uh, you know over time uh, quickly
1: on that is what I'm trying to say So next question, uh, it's anonymous. Any discussion on giving MTIs hazard pay?
2: So that's a great question. And uh, General Tolleson and I were talking about it yesterday. So we are currently checking with our A1 and we'll get some more information on that. And we'll get back with our MTIs and their leadership as soon as possible.
1: And General Webb, this question kind of goes back to when you were talking about the science. Uh, It says, can you explain why we continue to train while we're assessing the science?
0: Well, yeah, the, 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 the reason for continuing training is about readiness and readiness is about our national security capabilities. Uh, there is a direct that you, you know, I, I kind of, you know, walked the direct lineage of that in the beginning. Uh, and so, um, again, the constant assessment, the constant evaluation and the constant balancing of risk to force and risk to mission. That's the key. Uh, and if, if a calculation were to change and believe me, we're looking at it constantly. Uh, We will make different decisions. Right now, this is the right decision for us to continue training at the levels we're at. And we aren't at the 100% uh, level in in any area, Uh, but we need to constantly evaluate that.
1: The next question comes from Adrian, and Adrian wants to know, has AETC looked at utilizing past instructors to teach supplementary or advanced training to meet UTC training requirements?
2: So yes, we have, uh, I have to say, Second Air Force General Tullis and her team have been all over this. So we are looking at past instructors and those AFSCs uh, to see where we need to bring them in. And they're currently working that objective right now.
1: Uh, This question talks to uh, Mission Essential uh, specifically as it comes to OTS and and why uh, is it important to keep that mission going?
0: Why is OTS important to keep going? Same same reason. uh, as we talked about on BMT. We just uh, started a new class uh, this week, uh, OTS. Uh, they've had the va- great vantage point of watching uh, what we've been trying to do is we modify both uh, uh, basic military training and tech school training as well and be able to apply that uh, to their unique circumstances. Uh, but uh, so far so good uh, and for all the same reasons that you know we've kind of laid out before, OTS is absolutely uh, critical.
1: And. This one comes from Sarah Joe and she says, for maintainers supporting AETC training the student pilots, um, there's not a practical way to social distance, nor is there practical ways to mitigate the risks associated with COVID-19. Um, it, she's basically asking if the, if the exposure risk to Instructors family and friends is not worth pausing the training. I know we've talked about it But I wanted to ask her a question because she took the time to ask it.
0: Yeah sure uh, again uh, And the kind of the chief has laid this out as well. Uh, his direction has always been uh, to uh, To allow decision-making at each unique area every installation has unique circumstances uh, and he wants his installation commanders empowered to make their decisions for their unique circumstances. It may be that we're, we're at some, we get to some point in uh, some area where it isn't practical. It isn't uh, within the risk to force, risk to mission calculus. It's too great on the force. Uh, but I'm confident that our installation commanders are doing a top notch job at every one of our installations on, air, on those precise uh, eventualities.
1: And General Goldfein even said it, he said, every base has a unique dynamic and a one size fits all approach simply doomed to fail. And so those commanders at each of those installations and and wings has to make the best possible decision. Uh, This question comes in um, talking about new recruits at BMT. Are they given a COVID-19 test when they arrive?
2: That's uh, negative. They, they don't unless they are showing signs or symptoms uh, towards COVID-19. So when they arrive, it's they come to the airports. Uh, we used to put them all on this bus and, you know, smash them all in there. And uh, now they are separated on the bus. They're not sitting next to each other. The bus is wiped down after every pickup. Once they arrive at the Finkston reception center, uh, they're asked again, they're still social. they're physically distanced and they're asked questions about their health. Have you been sick in the last two weeks? We continue to ask those questions at MEPS prior to coming as well. If they are, then we need to move them right over to our medics so they can assess to ensure that they're safe to continue in BMT. If not, they'll be quarantined off into uh, the isolation area until we can have the test results back.
0: But and and remember, we we are putting all our new trainees and have been for uh, three weeks now uh, in what's called restriction of movement uh and so they are isolated uh from the rest of the population uh and uh, for 14 days uh, to go through that and frankly the decision's been made uh to you know as we've gotten through the 14 days on this first tranche we're going to continue i would call it i'm not sure that the 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 team over there at Lackland calls it that but i call it kind of a modified rom uh so we we're adhering to most if not all of the rom standards continually and probably will through the duration of their uh, bmt you know, training experience.
1: And there was news uh, last week about a proof of concept BMT uh, at Keesler. And Urban wants to know when that proof of concept uh, plan is going to go live.
0: Yeah, next week. Uh, and uh, you know, that's the General Tullis uh, initiative. This is a, this is an example of uh, um, every challenge and opportunity. Uh, it occurs to her first of all, first of all that. We need to have some redundancy. We need to have a backup plan. We need, we need to be prepared for an eventuality. Uh, Keesler has some capacity. She's shown it. Uh, we're gonna execute it. Now it's a proof of concept. We're certainly gonna learn some, hopefully mostly good. There might be some bad uh, from it, but uh, yeah, we're, we're going hot with that next week.
2: And Dan, we've never moved BMT except in the 60s when we moved it to Amarillo only because of meningitis breakouts. And uh, in our history, we've never stopped BMT. To have two locations like our other services do to look at this proof of concept is a genius plan because we, I know since I've been enlisted, we have been asking this question is, why do we have one location versus two? And I tell you what, General Tullis and her team have been digging into that from the day she got there. That in, And now with this proof of concept, we will learn so much. This is going to be an excellent opportunity.
1: Brandon, this is a... Uh uh, Recruiting-based question. Brandon Taylor wants to know if there's a plan in place to reopen Meps in areas affected
0: and shipping to BMT sooner rather than later. Uh, the, the, if I understood the uh, the question correctly, there are a few Meps that are down and have been uh, shut down. Yes, sir. I mean, eventually, at some point, uh, they're going to uh, reopen. Um, one of them's uh, New York. I mean, that I think is going to be affected a while. Um, New Orleans, I believe, is one. Um, let me take this opportunity, though, to kind of parry to uh, recruiting. Uh, recruiting, uh, you want to talk about you know, every challenge and opportunity. Uh, we have gone through this uh, almost fully virtual uh, recruitment uh, scenario where everything is done. You know, you know, policies that we couldn't get passed for years of being able to do signatures online and get through a lot of the, you know, the, uh, the bureaucratic processes uh, online, uh, we're, we're breaking through uh, right now. Uh, I, I, I've asked uh, um, General Levitt today. Hey, do you have a sense yet of the feedback on how you know how has this affected uh, recruitment, positive or negative? And yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit early in the process. We've only done this for about a week and a half or so. Uh, but uh, and she she's going to get back to me with some of the, you know kind of the feedback. Uh, but there are if no, if for nothing else, we've we've got a lot of good processes uh, that we'll be able to sustain through this. Uh, The MEPS uh, piece, uh, specifically to the question, uh, they may be effective for a while. I mean, that's gonna be very locality uh, dependent.
1: So we appreciate all your questions. Uh, Adam wants to know, uh, well, he actually says, I've heard that initial flight training may be changing um, for CSO combat systems officer pipeline students. Um, Do you offer any insight um, to initial flight
0: training, I know General Wills is uh, looking uh, closely at that. Uh, there is there are going to be some uh, effects to that. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of the analysis that he's doing, uh, but yes, I mean I, I think there will be uh, specifically in the. I think maybe it was specifically with uh, some of the uh, CSO uh, CISO training, uh, there will be some effects, and we'll let uh, General when General Wills has gotten the appropriate uh, analysis on that, uh, it'll be forthcoming. And Jack kind of tagging on with
1: with flying wants to know if, if just regular flying training will continue as normal and and you got that but i wanted to make sure uh he knew we saw his question um belinda has a question she says i'm a civilian retiring uh at the end of april i was told that retirees are exempt from the two-week telework which started in march 30th i have a health risk with with, uh, I won't tell her personal business online here, but it says, I thought I'd be on the first two weeks because of my condition with plenty of time to prepare for the retirement process. I'm trying to understand your question here, Belinda. I'm sorry. Um, but are there are there exemptions from telework um, that for people who need to out process? And are they on a telework status at all? I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question. Without here.
0: understanding the, the full gist of the question she's going to, their common sense needs to prevail uh, on our processes. And so if, you know, if she is concerned that she's not going to be able to continue her out processing, this is the chain of command. Allow the chain of command uh, to uh, evaluate the circumstances. I think by, by now, everyone in this command understands extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures And there may be some modification to whatever the locality of the the policy is there uh, that needs to be looked at for her to continue to get done what she needs to get done. Uh, A couple of questions, I can kind of pair them together, but it
1: really acts asks what are trainees in in ROM status at BMT actually doing um, and will they uh, be extended there longer or will they just continue the eight and a half weeks?
2: So they're gonna be, so first of all, basic training has not been extended. So basic training is still eight and a half weeks. So during the first two weeks of ROM, so one, they're put in PT gear. So they're not getting their first clothing issue except for their PTUs. So they'll be in PT gear for the first two weeks. Uh, Also during the second week is when we bring the barbers over so they can get the magic haircut. And so all of the haircuts are done outside. And then AFES brings over anything that they need to purchase. So again, limiting their contact. You'll see them out there, they're, they're out there studying, they're out there, some of them are practicing facing movements, they're helping uh, do different things around the squadron as well, uh, but they're not in full active training yet. So it's more of a taking care of the admin sort of things at the beginning. For the first two weeks. For the first two weeks. And then we were there on day 14 and uh, 15 and we saw the training happening, just like that. And I tell you what, they are marching now. And they are doing the the facing movements. Uh, They've been studying their books. Uh, They know how to cut threads really fast. They're getting their OCPs now in their their next clothing issue. Uh, So many of them are just anxious, just like our TIs. And our TIs tell us the only frustration they have is they're there to train, and so the airmen are there to learn. So the first two weeks are are very slow going, but once we get into that, uh, out of that ROM, and we get into the more modified ROM status, they are in full up training status.
0: Yeah, and
1: you know, a, a lot of comments online, but you know, it's every instructor in AETC doing the mission, it is. and, and That's not right. just the instructors, but all the support people that make the mission happen. I mean, the DFACs having to, to feed everybody, our defenders on the gates, the, the medical teams, we've talked about it, but I mean, and I, there's a couple more questions, but I really wanted to get this in. I mean, it, it's really probably as a commander, you have to be so proud, sir.
0: I am extremely proud. You know, we, we got in kind of a, a little bit of a rabbit hole yesterday with a with posting that actually is, is trending really well. Uh, but we didn't call out every AFSC uh, that is contributing to the AETC mission. And, of course, every one of them do. But it's MTIs, it's MTLs, it's instructor pilots, it's it's instructor platform instructors, it's it's every it's the IDMTs, it's the defect works. I mean, it's literally across the board. Uh, the um, you know when I when we talk about calm is contagious, and you go out there and you kind of get a sense. That's what I get the sense of. Sir, we're doing our mission. We understand. There when there's concerns, we've been able to address them. Some on the spot, some of them very quickly. Uh, I couldn't be more proud uh, of the airmen inside ATC and the job they're doing. And the PAS. Oh. And the PAS. Yeah. And the PAS. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh,
1: we're we're getting ready to, to close up. I see a few more questions, so we'll get them we'll we'll get them answered here. It says regarding testing for COVID nineteen, people can be asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic and still carry the virus. Um, is this concern being addressed? And I think that we talked to when we're bringing them into the pipeline, yes, it is being addressed through restriction of movement. And then obviously as they go further along in the pipeline, if, if they do develop symptoms, our bases, wherever they may be, have those plans in place to take care of people who might uh, have contracted the virus.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. If the question was aimed at uh, BMT, that's exactly uh, what the process is. Um, or OTS for that matter, you know, some of the other things that, you know, we would kind of singularly focus on BMT, but this thing about COVID, uh, 19 and asymptomatic carriers, that's every one of our re- responsibility. Okay. Uh, you know, we're teleworking to a greatest extent and I continue to kind of ratchet it down, uh, what it looks like, uh, even in the headquarters, but there are circumstances. Here's one of them right here where we're not teleworking, you know, we're here at work. It, it is incumbent on every one of us to be appropriate, physical distancing, washing our hands, uh, not interacting you know, kind of staying at home to the maximum extent that you can, obviously you're going to need to go to the grocery store and some, some of these kind of things, but that at the end of the day, isn't coming on every one of us to contribute. Yeah. And I think
1: it'll, it's probably appropriate, sir, to, to ask this question, um, last, and thanks janet for your comment about having your granddaughter in the united states air force and you're so proud we're we're (laughs) proud to have her um so that is that's really awesome thanks for your comment janet but but the last question i I'll, i'll throw out here is is do you feel that we are doing enough to keep everybody safe
0: i there is no doubt in my mind that everybody every day in this command uh, is doing their utmost to either identify problems or working to get solutions on them. And that is where I come back to, you know, kind of my overarching points on this, is one, to thank you, the airmen of AETC, and all that you are doing every day to get after what has been laid out as our three priorities, the people, the mission, and the partnerships in this whole government approach. Uh, and if I could leave you with the request, is to continue to trust your chain of command. Your installation commanders on down and your, and your leadership on up from the installation level is doing their level best to grapple with circumstances that are changing hourly. Uh, and that last phrasing, you know, the kind of the hashtag that we have out there calm is contagious. I'm telling you set that tone. That is what I've seen across our command. That's what we need to continue to set. That is key because it is contagious. Uh, if we keep our heads about it, if we keep our wits about us, if we continue to respond to contact, we gather, be proactive in our kind of our, you know, data gathering to add to that kind of intuitive decision-making uh, that we've been doing here to date, we're on the right course. Chief.
2: So, something that General Webb said at the beginning of all of this, not at the beginning of the session, but as we went into the COVID crisis, he said, we don't back down, we rise up. And that's exactly what we're doing here in AETC. And can't foot stomp that enough is get with your chain of command and tell us, tell us what right looks like so that we can continue to make things safe for you and your families and continue our training missions. And just a big thank you for everything that you're doing.
1: So a couple of admin reminders before we sign off, I want to let you know that General Goldfein and Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Kalitho Wright, are going to have a town hall on the Air Force Facebook page on Monday that starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. So please, if you have the time, tune in so you can hear what uh, General Webb's boss and, and, and Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force have to say. Uh, and then also, don't forget, Chief mentioned it, but we are actually going to virtually announce the AETC annual award winners on Monday night. And it's not the normal way we like to do this, but obviously um, in in this unprecedented time, it, it's still the right thing to do to recognize people that have went above and beyond.
2: Yes, Dan. It's, we're excited about Monday night.
1: So that's going to wrap it up for our town hall tonight you can uh continue to follow our aetc social media accounts the aetc command team there on facebook twitter and instagram as well so if you have questions or comments never feel shy chief gudgel's on there on all hours of the night i don't know what time she either goes to bed or wakes up in the morning but it's pretty darn early so um, from all of us here at aetc thanks so long good night good night Lots to unpack here on this edition of the Air Force Starts Here. The AETC command team really laying out the strategic why of what we do here in AETC so eloquently. So thanks to General Webb and Chief Gudgel. Reminder, you can follow just about everybody on social media to include the command team there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as AETC. We're on all three of those platforms as well. General Wills, the 19th Air Force Commander, and his command chief, Chief Mass Sergeant Eric Thompson, there on Facebook and Instagram. And Chief Bass, the 2nd Air Force Command Chief, she is also on Facebook and Instagram as well. So. Uh, plug as well for all of those public affairs offices out there doing a great job i would say an awesome job of keeping everybody informed if you need information for your particular installation make sure you check out your base website and your base social media accounts Uh, they're really your best source of localized information and so we'll sign off on this edition of the air force starts here saying so long stay safe and we'll talk to you next time on the air force starts here